Welcome to the Baseball Emperors Podcast, a show for baseball fans by a baseball fan. I'm Stephanie, your host. As much as I love baseball, I've had a very difficult time in the past few weeks thinking about baseball. Of course, there are no games, but there's also a revolution going on in this country. And as a woman of color, I know my life matters, but the fact that so many others think that it doesn't, or at least it doesn't matter as much as theirs, is a problem that we must all rectify. I wanted to do some features on the Negro League since I started this podcast, and I feel now is a good time as any to to do that. But before I continue, I want to say this to my non-black listeners. Educate yourself. Read books, watch movies, research credible internet resources, and educate yourself on why Black Lives Matter and why this movement exists and why there is a revolution in this country right now. There are now many readily available options for education on how black people have been oppressed in this country since we were brought here. No excuses anymore. Also, reach out to every black person that you know and let them know that you support them and that you believe that black lives matter. And even tell the ones that you don't know. Don't assume they know of your support because I guarantee you they do not. So tell them. Then take action. Every day, take action to rid this country of the hate and the prejudice. It's going to take much effort, so start now. Take action. Every day. In this episode, I'm going to discuss the Negro Leagues, the wonderful Negro League Museum in Kansas City, Missouri, and Josh Gibson, the greatest home run hitter who ever played baseball. A brief history of the Negro Leagues. Negro League baseball got its start after the Civil War during the rise in popularity of baseball and also of segregation in Jim Crow. The Professional National League and other organized baseball leagues had an agreement to keep black players out of their all-white leagues. Blacks played on traveling teams until around 1920 when Rube Foster started the Negro National League with eight teams. Those eight teams, Chicago American Giants, Chicago Giants, Cuban Stars, Dayton Marcos, Detroit Stars, Kansas City Monarchs, Indianapolis ABCs, and the St. Louis Giants. A lot of teams named Giants in there. Not really sure what was going on with that. I guess I'll do some more research on that. Um, The Negro Leagues were owned by black people, so the teams were owned by black people, and they had early financial success that allowed the formation of the Eastern Color League in 1923, and the two leagues played for a championship from 1924 to 1927. The success of the teams became centerpieces for economic development in black communities. Teams existed in the U.S., Canada, and Latin America. However, there were a lot of things going on um, in the leagues as players constantly moved around to play for the most money. Sounds kind of like the ultimate free agency. Um, and, And team owners would, you know, have teams skip their games, their league games, to go play paid exhibition games. Um, so yeah, it you know it was organized, but you know people were um, scooting and moving around. 
There were um, stops and starts in various leagues throughout its existence, but black baseball was known for the best showing of speed, daring play, and showmanship. The games drew large crowds that would rival any Major League Baseball game today. The Negro Leagues even had female ownership. Effa Manley was the only female owner of a Negro League team. She co-owned the Newark Eagles with her husband, and she was in charge of the business, and she was known as a great businesswoman. In 1947, Jackie Robinson, who played for the Negro Leagues, integrated baseball. He was followed by another Negro League player, Larry Dolby, into the majors, and with the success of the black players in Major League Baseball, fans were drawn to those games and away from the Negro Leagues, as were many of the players. The last Negro League teams ended in the early 1960s. And as the Negro League players moved into the Major Leagues, they brought with them that speed, that daring play, and eventually the showmanship and really changed the way that baseball is played. Um, Now, some people did not like that, did not appreciate that style of play, the more aggressive style of play, um, a faster game. But it's funny because if you think about it, it's still the same things that a lot of baseball fans and baseball management argue about today. How much showmanship should there be in the game? You shouldn't, you know, flip your bat when you hit a home run. You shouldn't pump your chest. When you make it a great defensive play, you, as a pitcher, shouldn't talk trash on the mound. So we still battled those same issues today. And... You know, I asked myself, what is that really about? Because a lot of times now we're talking about Latin players because they have a very similar style of play as as what was played in the Negro Leagues. As, um, you know, Latin America did have teams that played Negro League teams. And why are we still arguing about this? Is this... Also, another effort in this country for us to want people to conform to what white America feels the most comfortable with? Or should we just be letting people be who they want to be and play how they want to play and kneel when they want to kneel? And we just accept it and learn from it and have productive conversations about it. Food for thought. There is a wonderful Negro League Museum in Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, The Negro League's Baseball Museum. It's the world's only museum dedicated to preserving and celebrating the rich history of African-American baseball and its impact on the social advancement of America and its impact on the social advancement of America. Just wanted to make sure you didn't miss that part. I've visited the museum a couple times. It's well worth the trip to Kansas City, which is a great place to visit anyway. The museum is a 10,000 square foot facility, a beautiful, um, just, it's just a beautiful facility. It's full of education, memorabilia, and a lot of information. 
My kids really enjoyed it also, and I can't wait to visit again with my youngest son. This particular version of the museum opened in 1997 due to the great leadership of the late John Buck O'Neill, a former Negro League player and great champion of Negro Leagues and its history. The museum has reopened after coronavirus as of June 16th, and it would be a great way to get your baseball fix until there are actually games again. And then even after that, it really is um, a great fun place to go if you just love baseball, if you love history, if you love black history, if you love American history, um, or just interesting things to see. Um, it's in the middle of kind of a cultural cortex that they have there in Kansas City. Um, there's great restaurants around there. It's located actually really close to where Ruth Foster actually started the Negro Leagues. Um, so it's, it's actually a really great trip. It's a great family trip too. So if your kids are looking for something to do this summer, it's a great place to visit. Josh Gibson. So Josh Gibson was one of the most feared hitters ever in baseball. He had a larger-than-life persona, and he left his mark on baseball history. Roy Campanella said Josh was the best hitting catcher he ever saw. Josh Gibson originally started playing for the Homestead Grays at the age of 18 when another player came injured, and he stepped in, and the rest is baseball history. His home runs are legendary. While official data from the Negro Leagues is limited, there are many stories of Josh hitting the ball 580 feet at the old Yankee Stadium and hitting baseballs completely out of ballparks. And these are not small ballparks. He did not play in small ballparks um, throughout his, his uh, career in the Negro Leagues. He played in large ballparks and he still had all these home runs. Many who watched him play insisted he was a better home run hitter than Babe Ruth, hands down. The true number of home runs he hit is a mystery, but most estimates are around 800 career home runs, which is crazy. <laughs> but some say the actual number could be over a thousand. Uh, official baseball encyclopedia has his career numbers at a 354 average, 962 home runs over a 17 year career. Single season highs of 517 average and 84 home runs. So he hit 84 home runs in one season, and we're sitting here talking about, you know, the number 60 and the number 70. Come on. Unfortunately, Josh Gibson died at the early age of 35 from a stroke, and he had other health issues um, throughout that period in his life. He died about three months before Jackie Robinson integrated baseball and broke the baseball color barrier, so Josh never saw that. Josh Gibson was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in 1972. And while it may seem exaggerated, many credible MLB players who saw him play say he was the best they'd ever seen. A true baseball legend. You can follow the show on Instagram at the Baseball Empress and at thebaseballempress.com and wherever you listen to your podcast. Please subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. And thanks for listening. And remember, this ain't your grandma's baseball podcast, and it sure as hell ain't your grandpa's.